cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. And a very winter warm welcome to the Barstures Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk and joining me today for a, for a rant fest is John Leng of John Joe's Blogspot. Good afternoon, John. Even tempered and chilled as always. Yes, um, I'm sure it'll be a very balanced and uh, you know there's no there's no there's no vitriol on this year and also joining me uh, and it's a pleasure is the uh, volvo washing lawn malvo from twitter uh, we go back years and he's got plenty to say and he's a valuable uh, contributor to the show and online welcome chris good evening good to be here thank you yes well chaps we've got a lot to go through uh, so i'll not waffle on and just to cover off yesterday very quickly john um obviously our tipping weren't very good so we're not we're not going to dwell on it too much but the there was one issue i wanted to cover <laughs> was the and it wasn't at cheltenham you know uh, the, the hashtag the road to doncaster Asia, and it was the 430 at newcastle yesterday gosforth park mm-hmm. and i would urge everyone all listeners to look at the result of this race and look at a horse called millionaire waltz uh, trained by Ben Haslam, ridden by Andrew Mullen, went went off three to one favourite, and it finished. I mean, not unusually, eighth place. A favourite's not done very well, you know. Shock horror. But and there is a but. The betting patterns for this race were rather remarkable. Back to the good old days of the old like lay any price you like kind of thing. Well, in the win, it was four point eight, four point nine on Betfair, and this is about two minutes to the off. Yeah, and in the four place market and in the three place, right? The, well, I wasn't looking at the three place market because I was more, I was more laughing my head off at the four place market, where it was three point four, Jesus, to come in the four. So, you, so you might be thinking, well, it could be, it could be a bot gone wrong, could be an, an anomaly. Well, I'd have believed that if twenty minutes before that I hadn't got told off a shrewd acquaintance of mine. That this isn't off. So, mm. outright. I mean, this exactly. And and I, and I just, I mean, the thing is, I don't get involved in in things like this because if there's a paper trail on Betfair, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I don't, I don't want to start doing it for you know for the lot. And Why and then message me, fuck's sake, I don't know. <laughs> After time, I can tell you four hours later. Where where are the where are the? I mean, this is the thing. I mean. If we've got a proper horse racing uh, authority here, this yeah. would be absolute prime, uh, you know, prime 21-day hung fillet f- for the organisation to get stuck in. Because how can you be 3.4? There's been no mention, not 3.4, four places when you're 4.8 in the win. It's old school. This this isn't going to happen. And, and as I said, watch the race if you like to see what you think you might think there's nothing wrong and and, and we're all talking hyperbole but no it's it's it literally is it what for me it wasn't off and 
there we go. It was a remarkable sequence of events. So, I chaps, irrespective of the reason, what, what, whatever that reason is, it's like that other horse that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the Martin Keeley horse that drifted like a barge. And yeah. you know, at the very least, you've got to ask a question because somebody appeared to know that it was going to run like that before it actually did. That, that's the point, isn't it? Either someone's incredibly lucky or they're armed with information that's not available to the public. You know, you've got to yeah. ask a question. Well, that's it. I'd like to see more questions asked, particularly on, on betting patterns, because, and the, the, the thing is, there is a paper trail on, on, on Betfair. You know, everyone, I mean, if there's nothing untoward, then then the, probably the BHA could actually make statements like this, saying, we, 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 and just say, we have looked into the betting patterns of this race and found nothing, or found nothing of, of significance, or, or, but there'll be sometimes when, as we know in the past, uh, You've got twenty pound punters laying them to lose five grand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the Betfair account. Well, so you know that that then should should ring alarm bells. What needs cleaning up, and and would give obviously punters more confidence that the sport is being policed or running a proper light. We never get this an inquiry from the BHA on this anymore. We never get like a report. We get we might say this horse has lost a shoe or. Kim Bailey, the trainer, says says the injection it's putting into the horse's neck has nothing to do with the horse's performance. Yeah. <laughs> things like that. You know, we get things like that, but we don't get a, a betting report or an analysis to say this was looked into due to like weird betting pans, but we've either found nothing or we have found something. And this is what's very strange from a from a governing body that, that appears to do nothing, John. <laughs> Well, they do appear doing nothing. I think one of the things that has stopped them doing stuff lately is the fact that a lot of these jockeys seem to get a preemptive strike in when they come in. I noticed Mullen yesterday said was never travelling after the first two furlongs. And it's as though they know and they're getting an excuse in. And the BHA say, no, well, that's all right. And that, that, that's covered that. Yeah, and I, I always There's thought... There's a lot more a, of that going on now than there ever was yeah. before. I mean, you read through the results at the end of the day, and there's at least half a dozen jockeys have come in and said, oh, this one... I think they're getting preemptive strikes in myself. Surely, though, it's a couple of hours' work for a for a, a for a BHA a betting integrity employee to go through the Betfair accounts of said users. What's the what's their average stakes? What you know is this a is this a normal kind of bet for them laying in the four places or laying in the etc. You know, surely that that can be explained in a couple of hours and just and like you say, I mean, it's not. It's, it's not Inspector Clouseau stuff. It, it, it literally if, is. If you're talking a couple of hours late, you're going to have to start playing overtime. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yes. Anyway, on to, I'll tell you what, then. So we've covered that. So anything from Saturday, take your eye, uh, both gentlemen, um, what, on, on, on the racing? Yeah, Jet's an absolute twat. <laughs> I, I felt for you there, mate. John's three-pointer. Um, yeah, I mean, how that's finished third. When you look at it, when you when you look at it two out, you're thinking, well, the, you know, I mean, two for gold had jumped terrible in the race. Cauto Rico was given a, a terrible ride from Brian Hughes. I felt, uh, and and then Jet's literally, I think, just got a Jet tried to kill itself at the last to make sure it didn't win, didn't it, John? 
and uh, must have known <laughs> I was on. Put the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going back to a more serious like, <clears throat> to follow, you know, blogger style topic of like my Drogo. I'm. I think he's obviously everyone knows he's got a serious engine. That's not in debate, but. I, I think his jumping concerns me a little bit in, in, in championship races. John, do you, any thoughts on that? Yeah, there would be a little niggling concern. Um, he's, he's already been on the deck, hasn't he? You know, so, I mean, it, it would worry you. you. You'd like to think the trainer would be able to get him in trouble with experience. Uh, he reminds me of uh, Errol Bomber Graham against Julian Jackson, where Errol Bomber Graham like dominates for three rounds, boxes superbly. You know, like Julian Jackson can't lay a glove on him, and then Julian Jackson finally hits him with a left hook, and he ends up sparker. And, and <laughs> the single greatest punch I think ever thrown. Extraordinary. Yeah. Um, anyone listening, go on YouTube and see that. It's just amazing. It travels about seven inches, doesn't it? And it knocks him spark out before he hits the ground. Unbelievable shot. Yeah, that's what I think my Drogo is. I think I think he's he's an absolute he's a machine speed. He's got speed. He jumps he jumps well most of the time, but there's always that you can tell in him. There's always that absolute Horlicks. And you know, that's why I think that's we're going to hold him back, and he's going to be short prices every time. So as a as a punter, I'll, I think I'll be looking to always try and take him on over fences. Anyway, we're going to come on to the topics of this week, and we've got French doping. We're going to start off with that before we go on to the the juicy one of the frost done aftermath, where I'm sure John and uh, Lord Malvo has got plenty to say. But just going to start off with a French doping offence or not offence, but arrests that took place this week on Tuesday of this week, where French racehorse trainer Cedric Rossi, who trained, obviously, Sealaway to win to win the arc, and uh, Rougier, yeah, he, he had that in his, uh, his care. Now, they were arrested with his... Uh, he was arrested with his brother Charlie, both fellow trainers, by the police, special brands who specialised in gambling and racing offences. And all in all, 15 people, including vets, were taken in for questioning. And um, obviously, it's early stages in this. But yet again, gents, an example of the sport of kings being blighted by the older uh, needles and, and race fixing, etc., etc. Any thoughts? Rancid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure um, Cedric Rossi now will be objecting profusely to your use of the word rancid and be thoroughly offended. I'm, sh- I'm sure that. he will, and I'm, I'm sure the word rancid will get used one or two more times tonight before we do. Yeah. I mean, this this French doping business it actually takes me back to the seventies when some of these French horses were coming over here and winning races in ridiculous ways, you know, I mean, I don't think I'll ever get over Parnese making the running against the Cracker Jack sale for the King George in 76 and just running them stupid, basically, um, after making all-round excellent in the Oaks. Because, I mean, the city just looked like a badly distended aiming board, really. So, I mean... <laughs> You wouldn't have thought she'd have been up to beating those, but by God, she did. And Trepan winning the Eclipse, beating Wallow. You had Flying Water in the uh, 
the ones I was in Guinea's Crow the Ledger. You know, I mean, they literally won everything around that period. And, the, 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 uh, French, the, the French might have been like the Irish, John, <laughs> back then. Well, it might not have been magic carrots. It might have been magic garlic or something, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. They were giving them, but... Uh, yeah, they were, they were certainly giving them something. I mean, it's just ridiculous, you know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see that unfold, but obviously the French joining the Americans and the Irish and the uh, and the Arabian Nights uh, in Dubai. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Kim Bailey and John Gosden, allegedly. It's inconceivable, isn't it, that, that it goes on, it's seemingly going on in other jurisdictions, yet we kind of hold the line saying, well, it might do there, but it doesn't go on over here. Well, why not? But, but by a sort of common sense reading, it must go on here to some extent. It has to. What, what makes the US and, and France and allegedly Ireland different from, from, from the UK? British yeah, well, exceptionalism. <laughs> British <laughs> exceptionalism. We, we, spirit of John Kurt, spirit of the Blitz, all that. We, we can't. He's come up. It's Johnny Foreigner's problem, isn't it? Really? Absolutely. I think, I think, I think as well. I, you know, like when people say dope and things like that, I, th- I think it's it's basically an edge that obviously, like as 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 punters, we we find edges in the phone book or or something that that, like you said, we're zigging instead of zagging to to make to make more money than we should. I think that's possibly the same in racehorse training, where if you find a artificial substance that isn't on the ban list, for example, and, it, and until it becomes on the ban list, it's not cheating, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lot. I bet there's lots of things like that where the zoop jumping, where where some trainers found some substance that that really improves the horses massively, yeah. and then then the BHA get wind of it or a horse, race, and the, and then it becomes on the ban list, and then they have to then they have to move the game further on again. It's probably the same as athletics in that way, I would think. You see what what gets me about all this? I mean, there's not, not even a scrap of honesty in this country about dope. I mean, if I was a trainer and I found something that they couldn't detect. I'd dope the living shit out of them. Yeah. Right? Now, there's not one person in racing willing to say that. Now, surely, and the law of probability would tell you that, you, you know, I mean, maybe I'm a bit less a little bit fucked up, depending which way you look at it, but <laughs> ought to be somebody out there in racing that would take a similar sort of stance and say, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I have no problem with it. If you couldn't catch me, I'd do it. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think I think you know if you get an edge, use it, uh, utilize it the same as everyone does in ev- every walk of life. If you if you've got an edge in business, if you've got an edge in, that's what people do. You know, if if it enables you to pay less tax, people pay less tax, and so on and so on and so on. And and I think I'm not. I'm, by the way, I'm not sort of like making light of of doping at all because obviously I, I don't know the effects of of certain types of doping on horses long term, whether it affects them physically and and you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough to, to comment. Don't, don't even care about that, really. No, 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 no. Not even an issue. No, I mean, I think that's the problem. I think, I think welfare issues are, a, a, you know, are a big issue, and 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 certainly should be focused on. Anyway, so that's the French doping business, which I'm sure will come back in a few weeks when we know more 
uh, RE the case and what's been going off there with with the Rossi family. Um, we move on now to the hot topic of the week, which obviously the the Brownie Frost uh, Robbie Dunn aftermath after the verdict was given unanimously to Brian A in terms of bullying from jockey Robbie Dunn, who was handed uh, a lengthy ban uh, for his uh, part in proceedings for bullying uh, Miss Brownie Frost. Now, we've got a couple of questions on this, but I'd like you, John, to start off. You know, what you think in a monologue, if you like, of the whole affair. <laughs> Well, that was sure, really. <laughs> <laughs> so hasn't uh, Brian got any ironing to do? For fuck uh, yeah. Get the ironing board out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, okay, I'll, 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 I'll try and sort of condense my thoughts a little bit to a nutshell, really. Um, I mean, Dunn found guilty of all charges, done given 18 months. I would say then, really, the afters have been just as interesting as the inquiry itself, really. Um, We get the PJ releasing a statement where they basically said it's awful. We got called rancid. But it's okay, according to a lot of our members, to call a colleague slut and a whore. But don't call us rancid. God's sake. You know, not while we're sending her to Coventry, which, of course, was in no way rancid conduct. Then we get Hayley Turner and some other unnamed female jockeys releasing a statement backing up the PGA, basically appearing not to give a flying fuck about the colleague again, not even slightly rancid behaviour. Um, Hayley seems to think because she found male jockeys a whole lot <coughs> friendlier during her career, this other stuff cannot have happened. Um, and then... When, when you look at the media as well, I mean, we had uh, Sir A. P. McCoy, and before we get on to Irishmen accepting knighthood, uh, <laughs> formerly of the Wayne Realm, now of ITV Racing, on the night the Valleys, who refused to work with Irony Frost, sending a pointed tweet with a photo attached, illustrating superbly just how lovely Valleys are towards the winning most national hunt rider in male his- in history. Oh, of course, he's a white male. Uh, we had all like, got over that shocking re- revelation. We collected our thoughts and we said, that too might look a bit rancid in the cold right, right of day. Now, when McCoy's next appearance on ITV will be, I don't know, but I would imagine that we're on after the dust settled on this. Um. Then we come on to Matt Chapman, who raised an eyebrow or two. Um, despite being confronted by conclusive proof that Frost had actually won her case, detailing to us on Twitter that there were no winners in this case. Well, yeehaw. Least of all those who uh, asked for comment but refused to commit to any one side of the fence, should it create a schism where working relationship with the current Wayne Room incumbents? We all know what happened to Lydia Hislop when she dared question a McCoy ride a while back. Matt is way too savvy an operator to let that bring him down. Although when <laughs> tweeted about this, he did state unequivocally, he writes and says what he feels, which is really interesting, actually, because he added to the fence sitting by citing in his song column. Now, someone copied and pasted this from me before anyone asked why I'm clicking on murder shit rag. 
Um, <laughs> the Matt Brothers film, and a James Bond film, it slewed the public opinion on racing. So I, I, I suppose with the man, like the man with the golden gun, caused Michael Ryan to wreak havoc in Underford, eh, Matt? Um, <laughs> Amy Piggott then popped up uh, on Twitter, pointing out that anyone who is over eight stone went through hasn't enough weighing room experience to comment. Fatties, he said yes, fatties, now, internet, now, internet fatties, me and you, Joe. Given that I know <laughs> a few 20 stone people with almost as much weighing room as experience as Jamie and as many winners, he'd do well to take a leaf out of his father's book and either keep his trap shut and just mumble something incomprehensible. The usual you know? suspects in the media, Calvin, Cunningham, Hislop, Mellish, Wood and Blake, but it's just about spot on for me. The rest did what you'd expect of them, and they didn't knock any gravy, any gravy over. In there, much more impressive for the BHA on look on Sunday. I'd go as far as to say he should be the next CEO on that show, really. Yeah, he, he did come across well. He contextualised the use of the word rancid perfectly. Stood up to a fairly robust question, in whereas I thought Nick Luck was a lot friendlier towards Paul from the PGA. Julie Arrington just needs to step down. Rather than contextualise the rancid comment, she backed away from me. True corporate slave style, wanting to offer so many olive branches the tree would go on straight. She, she's not the person to take sport forward. PGA must not be allowed to write their own code of conduct like they've had to do. It reflects so badly on the BHA. BHA have been let down, let down for years, really. I, I, I don't know why we're surprised that there's been no separate facilities for female jockeys to pick saddles and girths up, etc. No female valets. It's just typical of an organisation. Entirely reactive rather than proactive. Showing the mess that sparks in from the administrative side, it's also shown the calibre of people involved. Decent-minded individuals in the minority are afraid to speak out because of the culture that prevails, which is a little bit rancid, dare I say. Countless <laughs> inquiries have shown this. You know, there's inquiries... Nobody speaks up in inquiries. Nobody lodges firm objections. There weren't any firm objections to Barony Frost riding. The BHA have done nothing about it. This sport cannot and will not move forward without a dictator. We can't achieve anything by consensus. The people involved will tell you. The people at the very top of this sport are, if anything, worse than jockeys. They need the gun put into their heads and need frog marching into the 21st century. Yeah, I mean, that that's just superb. But, John, right, I've got to play. I, I, I'm going to have to come from the other side on this show because mm-hmm. obviously I know, I know. Chris's feelings on this, and I know, I know your feelings, like privately and stuff, and and to to a degree mine. But you've got to say, this is uh, the entire Wayne room nearly is is speaking out against against as he's not supporting Bryony. Why? Why is is this is this simply because um, they haven't moved forward in terms of how society's moved on? It's cult. It's cultural, truly. Now, look, my my thoughts are quite well known. I I, I don't know Robbie Dunn, but I would imagine, uh, on the balance of probabilities, in the fact that they constitute a tiny percentage of society, he is probably not a psychopath. And I dare say, 
right? If we went out for a pint with him, he'd actually be quite a nice bloke. But that doesn't excuse doesn't excuse what he's done. But but bullying tends to develop a life of its own, not just in the weighing room, but 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 in life in general. So so it typically it happens where an individual doesn't wake up one day and go, hey, I'm going to actually, you know, plan a campaign of bullying against that individual because I don't like them. What what usually happens is there is a slight, real or imagined, that is perpetrated against the bully in his or her own mind. And that individual will confront the alleged perpetrator. Now, obviously, Robbie Dunn didn't get the response he was looking for because, you know, obviously, Bryony Frost didn't say, I'm really sorry, Robbie, it'll never happen again. And what happened is it did happen again, such that Robbie Dunn has probably cast Bryony Frost as the as as the bullier of him in his own mind. So now he feels justified in vindica- and vindicated in carrying on what he started. And, and you know, people people bully people for, for two reasons, uh, in, in my experience. One is because because Bryony Frost is a, is a younger woman and, and, and Robbie Dunn is, a, is effectively a man approaching middle age. She represents no physical threat to him. Right. So he's in no danger in really saying all the all the bad things on his mind because she, she's not going to sort of roar back at him. Uh, you know, and mixing sport up a bit. Imagine if Katie Taylor hung up her gloves and said, you know what, I'll be a jump jockey. Can you imagine Robbie Dunn calling her a C-U-N-T or a whore? <laughs> no, it's a good point. At best, he'd be on his ass, and at worst, he'd be sparked out in the promised land. But because, you know, Bryony Frost isn't going to snout him, you know, he, he's going to carry on. Whereas if it were a man or a woman that can knock him out, I dare say that that kind of bad blood wouldn't have escalated. And, and to use another example in, in the wider world, where you get these sort of cases where children are subject to terrible neglect and abuse and, and, and inquiries say, oh, why have social workers missed it? They miss it for two reasons. One, either the family is incredibly skilled at manipulating uh, the social workers or obfuscating or concealing the abuse such that the social workers leave and say, oh, everything's fine here. Or in the case of baby P, where the parents and the adults in that home were so physically intimidating, people backed off. And that's how bullying can start. So the second, but the second reason is that Robbie Dunn felt comfortable, and it goes to John's point, in bullying Bryony Frost, because he had, and the words are very important here, the tacit approval of his weighing room colleagues, not the overt support. You know, I'm not suggesting anyone's cheering, say, go on, Robbie, give her what for. But because no one pulled him aside, or rather no one did anything, by inference, Robbie Dunn is encouraged. None of the other female jockeys have a problem with me. None of the senior jockeys have told me to sit down and shut up. So therefore, by inference, everyone else agrees with me. And that's how I think this whole debacle has been allowed to escalate because no one said anything. And, and, and I know that sort of Helen Sheridan, one of your correspondents and, and the various other media commentators have said, oh, well, rancid has been taken out of context. Actually, for my money, that is a rancid culture because it's a culture that's quite happy to allow uh, a female, a younger female co-worker to be subjected to quite horrendous words and physical intimidation. And if that's not okay. rancid, I don't know what is. 
Very, very good comments. And and I've, I've took everything on board there. Um, so why, so why, why then? You know, you, you, both of you make absolutely superb points. What, why, why then is is constantly like on? For example, I, I I'm trying to come from the other side here because I'm trying to bring a little bit yeah, of balance to the show. But apologist, we know you're. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> telling you a few buzzers around Hereford for Neil Mulholland. I know your type. But, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, the, the thing is, I looked at Jamie Piggott's tweet today, and I, I always do this when it, when it, when it, when a jockey or, or some. I look at the likes of, of his post, and when I see when I see who's liked it, and I just think. Hmm. It's this is getting very hard to defend, or very hard to to look at the other side of the the, the coin when you see like the likes of Peter Scudamore, uh, yeah. Jack Mitchell, Luke Morris, liking liking the post that basically says, you know, like how many winners have you ridden in effect? But uh, internet fatties need not comment. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> They're making it very hard. Alan, Alan Corley on TV um, the the other day, uh, on, on on which they they subsequently deleted, maybe because Sky Sport that doesn't fit the Sky uh, fit the Sky Sports racing narrative of diversity, and you know because obviously Alan Corley just comes out and basically backs Robbie Dunn to the hill, yeah. saying that Robbie Dunn was hard done by. Now, I'm trying to I'm trying to find words to defend it, or trying to find. I mean, I'll go back to when I was playing cricket. Then, all right, the Azim uh, Rafiq affair, right? I, I was I was in a similar situation in the early two thousands. We played a side mainly of Asians who were giving me a lot of grief, sledging, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I made a comment that would now be considered racist, and you know, I I wasn't not proud back then, but I said something in the words of. Well, at least we've got some ham sandwiches for your half time. And now the, the, the and, and and everyone thought it was hilarious, including them, because because that back then it, these Michael Vaughan. I know we're digressing, but these it's a sort of similar issue in that you know these these issues back then um, were were issues. Now they're issues because society's moved on, and I think that's where we're at. That's my opinion. That the but, but the Wayne, but you, you're right. The Wayne route has always been this kind of almost like a priest confessional. It's the inner sanctum, and it's steeped in kind of mythology going back, well, way back when you know Terry Biddlecombe, you know, overgrown schoolboys like John Frankham and Smith Eccles getting pissed and running. It, all of that as kind of stories that appear in the books, and it, it's mythologized. And jockeys, particularly jump jockeys, are, are portrayed as this kind of band of brothers this group of swashbuckling daredevils that that you know because you're not prepared to sit on x ton of horse flesh traveling at 40 miles an hour you don't know what you're talking about and it has been insulated from whether you agree with it or not the changing values and social norms and mores that now whether we like it or not are prevalent in modern society but i think the point john made a while back a couple of weeks back whilst this affair was going on is about you know, recruiting people from outside racing to be stipes to sort of impose, you know, uh, a different a different code of conduct and behaviour to ensure kind of cultural change. But but the, the problem I've got, 
what I fear is that, that unlike a commercial organisation, right, let, just, let me digress it. Look, so if a commercial organisation says you get a new CEO and he says, actually, we want to change the culture of this organisation. This is what we stand for as an organisation. So that he will typically he or she will typically issue a mission statement and he will empower all his managers to go out and deliver this mission, i.e. this is the organisation we want to, we want to, to, to be. And ultimately, you know, you've got HR professionals will go in, there'll be training courses, people will be, their performance will be measured, not just simply about how much cash they're bringing into the company, but how their behaviour matches up to the new code of conduct and the new mission. And what will happen then is that some people will get aboard with the programme and, and flourish within the organisation, other people who, for whatever reason, can't meet the new standards will leave the company or go somewhere else. But that's OK, because running parallel with that in a commercial organisation, you know, they will be recruiting from different areas of society, different socioeconomic groups to, 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 to effectively replace those who are left and to replace them with people who embody the value, the new values of the organisation. Now, the problem that the Wayne Room has got is that there is a very limited pool of people who can and want to pursue a career as a jump jockey. So it's not a question of the BHA going out to different parts of the country, going to see sink estates and say, hey, now you're in the dole, do you fancy being a jump jockey? I mean, that's plainly <laughs> absurd. So you have a very limited pool of people who are qualified to be jump jockeys. But that pool of people come from a particular socioeconomic background. They have shared values, shared experiences, and it's knitted together by shared marriages, shared relationships. You know, so 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 that's going to mitigate, uh, uh, militate rather, against the ability to change the next generation because they're all the same. They're all married to each other in the main. And so, you know, my <laughs> theory is that one generation of jump jockeys will retire and move on to only to be replaced by the younger version, all of whom have the same life experiences and have the same outlook on life. And that's the problem, I think. That's a good point. It's fair. I've never looked at it that way, but I think, I think yeah, but I think kind of, kind of makes sense in that maybe that's why it's a tightness of defence, you know, in, in that way. Um, John, any thoughts on that? That's exactly right. This is a deep-seated problem that the BHA have refused to address or not wanted to address. You know, um, years and years and years, from jockey ranks and from the right background, shall we say. And they have allowed this culture, rancid or not, to prevail. We have no idea and no stats how many promising young careers have been ruined over the years from people having a hard work for them in the waiting room? Mm. Plenty of anecdotal evidence about jockeys cutting races up and deciding to let the one trier win and things like that, you know, unbeknownst to the one trier. You know? Um, and, and that's just like the, the tip of the iceberg. You don't know what's been said to young jockeys. You know, there could be countless numbers of people being driven out again. We will never know. No, but no. if we had proper management of the way around, we would know an awful lot more. But by outsiders who are not related through marriage or blood to the people in the Absolutely. Life. You know, p p people who are employed on their merit, who are skilled in that particular field, who will just simply do their job without the 
cognizance of all. I don't want to give him or her a pull because I'm having fucking Christmas dinner with them in three weeks. And that would be an awkward conversation. I'll go home and I'll live my life separate from these people because I'm doing it. That's the sort of kind of recruitment policy I think the BHA... I mean, it's it's proper governance, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I spoke to... um, I'm not going to name the jockey. I spoke to somebody... The, the, the senior work rider as well um, in the last week, and they they also claim that that Brownie Frost rides um, dangerously. Yeah, probably. Maybe she does. Yeah. Maybe and she does. I also asked him for further details on on you know like weighing room culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he said that basically this has gone on for years. Uh, uh, women jockeys and male jockeys share saunas naked. There's absolutely yeah. no problem. No one, it, it's, it's not like a normal workplace. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> he, 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 he say, he's saying Brian, out of order. I mean, but that's the general consensus and that's what I'm, I'm trying to understand it and I'm trying to work it out. These people but, that say she rides dangerously, how many times have these jockeys gone to the stewards and reported her, objected to her, or whatever? It would stand out with a male on the stats. She, she'd be male's clear of everybody on objections but, or something. But, but, but it's also added more spice to the fact that because she is very media friendly, she is enjoys a lot of um, a lot of profile in the media. She rides, you know, good horses for nickels, etc. And, you know, I, I don't know Robbie Dunn's motivation, but, but you know, you've got a middle-aged journeyman jockey who probably is thinking, you know, I'm as good as she is, yet I'm hacking around in Hereford selling hurdles while she's fucking riding grade one winners. So, that you know, I, I do detect, although it never came out, I do detect more than a bit of jealousy, um, I, I, you know, that, that's sort of given him impetus. But the idea that... You know, it's okay because we've always done it like that. That's no different from any other organisation. Any organisation that that is ripe for change, where you get a new management team in, there's always in that cycle of um, acceptance. The first thing is, you know, that that, that they they deny, then they ridicule, and then ultimately they accept. So, so so that's just classic organ the the organisational change cycle, which is kind of articulated in loads of management books. It works because it's always been like that, and we don't want to change because people don't like change. That's just human beings. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I, I, I mean, this is my personal feelings. You know, I'm trying to bring balance to the debate in terms of trying to create. Ask why this is happening. I mean, I was disappointed to see Peter Scudamore in particular, like Jamie Piggott's tweet, because I just Peter Scudamore was one of my heroes growing up um, as as a young follower of the sport, and I just think. Why, why, why are you liking stuff that is, is against someone that's being bullied? As Gay rightfully said on on the interview last week, you know, how would you feel if that was your daughter? You know, I mean, if your daughter, they wouldn't give a shit, Lee, because mm. you know, I think mis- I mean, I, I'm sort of spooping here, but but misogyny, I think, it is so ingrained in certain parts of society that that. You know that they will defend the status quo more than more than the individual. And you know, Peter Schoonemore's earned a very, very good living out of horse racing, right? and continues, I'm sure, to earn a good living. And so, you know, none of these people who are doing well out of racing, none, it is not in their interest to rock the boat. It really isn't. You know, why bite the hand that feeds you? This is one, you know, mouthy individual. That's the perception that's brought sort of us into the spotlight when there's no but- need to. 
but also it's fair to say that a lot some of the old school aren't like this. I mean, no, um, I mean Colin Brown that rode Desert Orchid. He is sadly he liked the tweet of Jamie Pig. I forgot to mention that. But um, uh, Richard Pittman is 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 an advocate of Brian, and he's saying, well, surely. Uh, if if there's enough evidence to say that Brian is a dangerous rider, why 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 aren't jockeys, you know, urging the BHA to look at evidence of this? Surely, like the Southern ride that that Robbie accuses Brian of, or is it was Stratford? I'm not sure. I can't Stratford or Southern. Can't remember. But it was one or the other. And you know, accuser accuser of dangerous riding. Um, then 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 why why hasn't there been a review of this? in the early early days and why i mean that's the thing this should this should have been sorted out within a couple of weeks nipped in the bud you know before it got any any worse and and the the bha were supposed supposedly well, the bha were perpetuating this rancid culture by not yeah. having a dig not managing it properly and not wondering why nobody was objecting to anything all these rumors about any frost bad and being dangerous, but still nothing. No, nobody's come forward and said anything at the time. Because that goes yeah. to the culture, though, doesn't it? You know exactly. That's the culture that they've they let like fester. Yeah. Keep your head down. tackling. You know, I mean, we had the top C situation. You know, um, and the the Fallon situation. There's no no chockies knew anything was going on or. Wanted to speak up about anything, you know. You can't have a section of the sport that thinks it can police itself, especially when the record proves it cannot even come close to policing itself. Right, spawn. Yeah, absolutely right. We'll we'll finish this this topic with uh, a couple of questions. Uh, one from Carl Swanson. He said, uh, and this is to both of you, you chaps. Do you think the BHA would have acted quicker had the Bryony case been one of racism? And secondly, um, can he have John's take on Pl- Plunkett's Oscar-winning acceptance speech after Snow Leopardess at Aintree last week? <laughs> <laughs> so either, either or. First, firstly, I mean, if this had been racism, would the BHA have, have, have acted on this a lot quicker rather than just bullying allegations? Uh, John, Chris, thoughts on that? I think I think they'd have been a bit more proactive as regards funding certain issues. I don't know whether they'd actually move things along any quicker because I don't think that the organisation lends itself to moving anything along fairly quick. But um, other than the port and the cheese plate, I absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. pass that round fairly smart. Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't think there have been a lot in it, to be honest. Okay. Um, so, uh, John, can can we have your fabulous take on the uh, Plunkett's Oscar-winning acceptance speech and what you thought of it, please? I th- I, well, I, I think it would have been a bit, little bit longer than John Wayne saying, if I'd known 20 years ago what it would take, I'd have slipped that eye back down a bit quicker. Um, <laughs> I... I I tend to think it would have probably run halfway through Good Morning Britain the next morning. Um, what, Lorraine? Yeah, yeah. Lorraine, Lorraine Kelly would be asking if you could see a growler. And uh, <laughs> Alice, Alice would still be waffling on with the, the trophy in one hand and the tea is streaming down there. Yeah. 
It was like um, one of Fidel Castro's speeches that used to go on for about three days, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, good stuff, guys. Um, so, uh, another question from Johnny Two, and he said, "Do you think the Kevin Blake theory might be correct? Um, that the both the cases in the spotlight at the moment, um, I assume he means the Tyler Gibbons case as well, might not be happening if the stewards were interpreting the rules correctly. Most of the stipes are ex jockeys who are by def- definition unlikely to find their mates, um, you know." It, you know, in in trouble. If you, you know, it's like, like defending the mate, so to speak. Do you think that's a problem? I don't tend to think that Kevin Blake had a touch of the gimme weights. I think he's had a bit of a top wave going on there. I've seen a shot, shot of him today on the telly, and I, and I thought, well, that's, look, that's looking a luxuriant booth on hairstyle there, Kevin. Yeah, I think. Uh, Situation is not ideal and needs changing pretty damn quick. Yeah, you know the BHA need to get, rearrange the deck chairs a bit and plant a few race readers on them instead of as being jockeys. Yeah, I've, I've never knew. I've never known why they don't do that. I mean, I, I, I'm going to insult jockeys now because I've not <laughs> met many intelligent intelligent jockeys in my life. In my lifetime, many are really. I mean, they're very brave people. Sam Wiley because, Cohen, he's an optician. He's a clever well, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you said David Maxwell, you know. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in in general, you know, if if you like jumping a fence at, at forty odd mile an hour, you, you can't have much upstairs, really. Um, but anyway, it, it's it's just how I've found him. I mean, you know, I can't have him. Um, and and this is the thing that you know, jockeys in general, they they. They, they like a lot of the speak, and and I think over time they've used the words "how many winners have you ridden," and and I think that that really does stink in this whole scenario regarding regarding the Brownie Foster fair. You can't have an opinion like Jamie Piggott says if you're fat and on internet like me and John, big big internet fatties, you know, <laughs> sat there oh, stuffing your face. With, I, I did actually, I, did, I actually pointed out to Jamie Piggott that. Uh, his father has ridden 4,000 winners and combined, Jamie and his father have ridden 4,000 winners. <laughs> I wish I'd have seen that. We're going to move on because we're, we're, running out, we're running short of time. And there's a couple, couple of issues, not major issues, obviously, as, as the Brownie affair. Good luck to Brownie, by the way. I hope she, and I hope she ain't affected mentally by this. I don't think she will be because she's a tough cookie. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing to go through, especially when your weighing room colleagues appear to be uh, rather uh, against you. Yeah, rancid, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so we'll come on to single customer view, which finally got a mention this morning on Nick Look, which I was very pleased because I've, you know, I, I I watch Nick Look all the time. I think he's a, a fantastic journalist and broadcaster, but 
I really do. I tear my hair out at the lack of the interest in the betting industry, which funds the sport. And the SCV has has gathered pace this week with Chris Phillip MP assaulting the industry in terms of right. You know, you can only bet so much. Single customer view basically wants to bring in a, a policy where you are only allowed to bet what you can afford to lose. Now, that sounds good. That sounds really good. However, it's got its massive flaws in that, as I've said before, bookmakers will be running this as it stands, which means if Chris, yourself, John, you yourself, if they don't like a bet you've had one day and you've took 10 to 1 and it's gone off 4 to 1 and they think you've really steamed our pants on that one, not only can they say like they used to do, um, we've had enough of your business. Thank you very much. Take your business elsewhere. They could maliciously mark you down as a problem gambler, and then you won't get a bet for loving the money with any firm or anywhere, any place. It's far too much power. It's draconian. We're going backwards. If if I produced a, a statement that said I've got a thirty thousand pound float to bet with, uh, someone might decide that's not enough. Someone might decide you can afford. £500 a month if you've got £30. You might be dealing with a, like a, a complete idiot that's never worked with gambling before making that decision on the other end. This is very dangerous territory for racing. And why? while why I, I want to bring it up, because not just for the betting angle, but because the rate, the sport is funded by this method. As in, we need, we need turnover. We need people to lose. So I'm not advocating even professional punters here. It's a separate subject to professional punters not getting a bet on, not, you know, being barred for winning. You know, we've had all that. We, you know, I understand the game. Bookmakers don't want to take bets off winners. We get that. But what we don't get is the fact that racing is funded by uh, uh, profits on turnover. Now, the problem with that is the less people betting, and, and they'll include losers in this to pr- protect the casino side of things, is that, Racing is going to get funded less and less and less and less. There'll be less levy. The bookmakers currently are, su- are providing support. And ARC have done a recent offer for the All Weather, where they £4,000 a race, that kind of thing. Put more races on, we'll give you £4,000 a race. Now, it sounds good. But what's going to happen is, with this model, all that's going to be left is, like I've pointed out in previous shows, is ground racing. Because what we're going to get is 0-60s, 0-55s. Your 90 horses are going to be off to Saudi Arabia in the winter. They're, they're expanding the calendar. They want to attract winter winter clients. Uh, Dubai, the same. Hong Kong, Australia, France, you name it. There's, there's many countries that pay far more prize money than we do. And we could pay more, but we don't because obviously the model's wrong. The, 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 funding, the funding's wrong. Like John says, it should be done differently. And these are the problems I foresee going forward. The problem with the British public, as always with many things, as long as they're not affected right now, if you can get your £20 on tomorrow and you get your £50 on one, no one cares. But you will care because when it hits the fan, and it will do, because when this is brought in, this this is going to bring about multiple problems for the sport. Funding, um, everything, getting on, standard of racing, People are going to ship out. They, forget the all-weather championships in the winter. You'll get the same 50 horses running for the all-weather prizes, Rainbow Dreamer running for the Stayers Prize. and Because everything's gone to Dubai. Everything's gone to Saudi Arabia. Everything's gone to, it's been sold to Hong Kong. Everything's gone to Australia. It, 
Racing needs to fight back. And I know the BHA are in a difficult position here because it's not in their hands. It's not even, there's nothing they can do. So as punters, I don't know what we can do. Any thoughts on single customer view, chaps? It's really hard to add anything to what you said there, Lee, that's any use because that's absolutely nailed it as far as I'm concerned. I think mm. it's a very, very dangerous time for the game. Um, with letting people that have no understanding of how gambling works run away with the actual funding model of this sport. I think one hope could be that this MP that's driving it forward to a certain extent might not be in a position to, if we replace the Prime Minister, which looks likely at the moment, and uh, <laughs> never ever thought I'd be saying this in a million years, but we could probably do with someone like Esther McVeigh or Phil Davis in post, who were well bunged up by uh, the right people. Um, to encourage a bit of gambling rather than uh, discourage it. But we're in a mess with this. No question. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Chris, you said, I mean, no doubt in the past, I mean, you're like a, a, a casual punter as well. I mean, you, yeah. you, you probably, you probably make a, a second income, et cetera, et cetera. I, I have no doubt. Yeah. But, and you've probably had the old email from the old bookmakers before saying, thank you. Uh, but thanks, but no thanks. But how would yeah, you feel? How, how would you feel then one day, you, you, you know, you, you've been betting harmlessly, blah, everything, but because they don't like the, t- the turn of your business, i.e. they don't yeah. like you've took a six to one about and it's gone off three to one, that not only do they just bar you, as in in terms of you, you are no longer allowed to bet with our firm, but potentially they have the power to say to you, uh, Chris, enough's enough. Um, we think yeah. you've got, you have a problem, and we're putting you on the problem gambler register, which then ascertains that you cannot get a bet on with any firm in your name ever again. That's it. Yeah. Finished. You finished. That, for, for, for me, and probably lots of people like that, that will be done with with racing. Um, you know, I'm I'm punting not simply, not simply, you know, by virtue of the fact that that I couldn't physically have a bet. The idea that someone has labelled me a problem gambler against my will, that would be the end of it for me. And what's particularly disappointing is that, you know, the kind of cross-party support for this. You know, the the Conservatives, love them or loathe them, you know, have always said, oh, we're libertarians. You know, people should be free to spend their money how they want, et cetera, et cetera. But but the support that some of the Conservatives are giving for this and driving this forward runs contrary to you know, what, what the Conservatives are meant to stand for. You know, uh, the, 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 the notion that the big government knows best uh, for you, I, I think is abhorrent. And that would that would do me, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't want to get involved in that. Um, so, yep. so yeah, it is worrying time. So so I, I think not just the drop-off levy, I think you'll just get people walking away. It's too much hassle. You know, everyone accepts, yeah, accounts get closed down, cowardly bookmakers restricting you to four quid and all that sort of stuff. But the, the idea that you're that you're being kind of labelled as somebody who is incapable of managing their finance, who has an addiction. I mean, put it this way, you know, in a similar circumstance, it's no different than saying, well, we think you're a drug addict, you know, so so, so that's that. So we're going to report you to the authorities. How dare they? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a massive problem. And I urge punters to 
take action with their MPs on this. And if you need a template letter, uh, we can provide it at the bar stewards. Um, all you've got to do is messages on Twitter. We will provide the uh, the template you need to send to your MP opposing single customer view um, and the how and, and what damage this can do to the racing industry as well as uh, people. And 99% of the betting population that haven't got a gambling problem, and we do sympathise with the 1% that do because it is obviously a very very damaging for their families and things do need to be done to bring balance to this but at the same time single customer view can be can, in the wrong hands can be very damaging for the future of the sport and, and, and the for the punter yes of course of course absolutely know that the people that will be charged with making decisions will do so there'll be some clever algorithm or spreadsheet uh, or a template or a user manual and you'll get somebody that's never had a bet or just say yeah you tick five of the nine boxes not knowing what sort of bets that person had straight away computer says you're a gambling addict uh, yeah and that will happen there'll be no yeah. nuanced analysis taken from a position of knowledge it'll be some idiot sitting in the call center or not some idiot someone sitting in the call center with a tick box a pulls coupon that's it and and quickly to finish, COVID passes, does it put either you off going racing, or COVID passes? Yeah, it does, mate. I'm, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm fully vaxxed up. I haven't even had my voucher. Have you? Yeah, I, could, I, I mean... bothered to wait. It was an hour and a half wait. I thought, fuck this. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Volvo uh, broke down on the way, so... I mean, uh, as Lee's aware, I mean, I'm, I'm in an at-risk group. I've got heart failure. Um, I, I've had all the jabs. And I do not agree with compulsory vaccinations or vaccination passports, full stop. I think when you look at the take-up as well, you could be saying this is racial apartheid as well, because uh, there's an awful lot of minority groups who are less vaccinated than the rest of us, shall we say. I, th I think we're on a very slippery slope if we get into all that. Chris, any thought? Any? Would it, I mean, I mean, beyond, I mean, everyone's got different views on it, and I respect every everyone's views. I mean, would it put you off going racing if you had to produce documentation? No, I, I take it a, a much. I'm part of the sheeple, I'm I suppose. I mean, yeah. part of the resistance. If, if that's, you know, I don't agree with it, but I suppose taking a pragmatic view, if that's what it's going to take for you to, you know, to, to visit sporting events or, or to visit uh, large venues, then. Yeah, all right, I suppose. Uh, I'm not going to sort of take a stand on it, but do I agree with it? No, but will it put me off? No. Yeah, no, that's fair play. Um, I mean, my take on it is if it was about health for me, um, I would say you don't need a, a digital thing to, to thing. You can do a test uh, yeah. to prove that you're not, you're not carrying the virus before, before you go to a, an event. And also, natural immunity, I think, is the most underplayed thing at the moment here because obviously you've suffered badly from COVID and you've got plenty of antibodies and you've done an antibody test, you're safer than literally anybody in the UK. So these are the things, if it was genuinely about health and not about lining Tory donors' pockets, et cetera, et cetera, that's where I'd go with that one. I'd say that natural immunities also should carry a, a kind of a, a badge of honour, if you like, that some people wear the vaccines with. That that you know that's also um, an excellent way of saying you know I'm safe and I'm not going to harm anyone else in my vicinity. Anyway, 
uh, that's all from this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this show. Some cracking chat. So big thanks to you, John and Chris, because you do you do provide some excellent debate. And we're back on Friday with some terrible tips. But listen, Quentin Franks is back on Friday. You'll have you'll have a Trixie. You'll have your Trixie on Friday at the ready. Get ready to fire away. Forget those idiots. We, we, we've got Quentin back, and of course Neverlander's back on Friday as well. Um, he, he, I thought he came across really well on his first show. So you haven't got just me and John's bad tips to put up with next Friday. So that's all from from us. Say bye bye, folks. Bye bye, folks. <laughs>